September marks back-to-school season across Minnesota. We are diving into the school funding discussion after dismal academic trends and ACT scores. Why experts say it's time to talk about where all the money is going in order to focus on what students truly need to succeed. Ken Wolf and Bob Fallon, thank you both so much for joining me on this topic. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Liz. Thank you. I know you both spent a considerable amount of time crunching all the numbers, but let's start with your backgrounds to better understand what, what led you down this path. Ken Wolf, I know you served as a state legislator in the House for 10 years, and you're still fighting this battle all these years later. I got involved in the legislature. I was elected in 1992 and served my first session in 1993. And after two years in the legislature, uh, we went out campaigning for re-election. And my opponent kept telling everybody that Ken Wolf voted against kids 28 times. And I had absolutely no idea what he was talking about. I had nothing to do with education committees. But when I got re-elected, I went to the, the uh, we were in the minority at the time, the Republicans. And I went to the ranking Republican on the education committees and I said, you've got to get me on the education committees because I'm never going out there again without knowing what I'm talking about. So he put me on the education committees and I started studying school finance. And everybody said, don't bother. It is so complicated. You will never figure it out. There are only three or four people in the legislature who understand how it works. And I said, well, then I'm going to be the fifth. And it took me a year to do that. It is extremely complicated. No, so, Ken's being modest, by the way, because we've had the opportunity to walk the halls of the legislature on a number of times to meet with legislators. And uh, I can say with confidence, there's no one in the state that knows more about education finance than the gentleman sitting to my left. And then, Bob, tell us about your role as the founder of Local Elections Matter and, and how you two came, came together to do all this. We created Local Elections Matter to fo focus on just what it says, Liz, local elections, focusing more on city council and uh, school board matters that really resonate with people, you know, in the street. That you know, A lot of people don't necessarily understand or want to get into national and statewide stuff. They care about things in their neighborhood. Local Elections Matter is all about amplifying this and getting more people engaged. I mean, I went to my first school board meeting in Hopkins. I was the only attendee and I have no kids in school. So we've just got to get people paying attention. And on that note, uh, maybe, Bob, to, to talk a bit more, I know you've spent so much time putting this uh, Minnesota Public Schools financial analysis together. But before we dig into those numbers, uh, Ken, I know, is the, is the numbers guy, but but why does does this matter and why is it time to, to speak up? And, and what I, I like, too, this doesn't, you, you know, it's not about your political leaning right. uh, here, is it? Precisely. You know, we're focusing on facts because I think sometimes we, meaning the conservative side, we lose because we get emotional because all this craziness around us. And what I've discovered in the months I've been working on this is emotion doesn't work. You have to focus on facts. And so, for example, on the school front and, you know, working with organizations like uh, Minnesota Parents Alliance and Christine Troyan, who's an absolute rock star, um, just focusing on things that we think we can 
um, package for people to understand, school finance being one of them, because a lot of our taxes go towards school. I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, in the number one area of spending in the state budget. So, you know, this is something where you're looking at the results, which are appalling, not only in the districts I'm focusing on, Liz, but statewide, they're just abysmal. My focal points with local elections matter are the academic proficiency numbers and the budget and financial expenditures, which are wildly growing on administration, but they're not growing on things that actually educate our kids. And let's uh, open up that, that package a bit here, taking a look at the state of Minnesota. Thankfully, we have some visuals uh, of your work. But just a, a broad overview, Ken, it seems always, I know as you're bringing up even with your time in the legislature, that the argument seems to be that school funding hasn't kept up with inflation. But I know you found, in fact, the opposite to be true. They've had the same narrative for the 30 years I've been involved. School funding has not kept up with inflation on the formula, and that's just simply not true. The problem is there are many formulas, but the two that really boil down to are, the first one is the basic formula. The basic formula only represents 44% of school funding. The other formula that counts is the combined revenue formula is the sum of all of the state funding and the local funding. And the combined revenue has exceeded inflation by 1.58% per year for 20 years. The basic formula that they quote has lagged inflation by 0.82% less than 1% per year for 20 years. The problem is the basic formula only represents 44% of what the taxpayers are paying for education. And Bob, you say that this combined revenue piece is so important, but no wonder taxpayers can't grasp this because state legislators, school board members, in fact, don't really understand all the nuances here either. Really, and one of the things that I learned early on with Ken's great work is there's a massive amount of information out there that you have to comb through. And I, I don't know if it's purposeful or not, both on the academic side and the budget side, but these numbers are kind of all in these different sources. And you need, you know, a guy like uh, Ken to help you find it. And, uh, uh, you know, as I said earlier, you've got to try to uh, come up with things that people can understand and engage with. And I think that when we look at the numbers and if we're successful in battling against the narrative that schools are underfunded, you take it to the next step and show how school funding has actually gone up enormously, but academic proficiency has gone down. So that's the message I think that'll resonate with people, regardless of whether you're aligned as a Democrat, Republican, or independent. I think people generally care about education for our kids. And if we can package it in a manner that's non-threatening and not, you know, labeled as extremist right. It's like, guys, these are the facts. Make a decision on yourself. It's like, this is really important for the future of our state. And Ken, the combined state levy numbers certainly caught my eye as well. There was a huge increase over that 20-year yep. period. I looked that up when, when and uh, for definition, the combined levies are the local school district funding. The combined aid is the state funding. And back in 2003, the combined levies, the local levies, 
represented 8% of the total funding. Today it represents 41%. So the local share has gone from 8% to 41%, while the state share has gone from 92% to 59%. I don't know what, why that is. It's just that's the fact. So the burden has shifted a lot more to the local school districts. Yep. And we're getting a lot closer, I think, Liz, to our ability to actually package it in very simple and understand terms. For example, using Ken's numbers, we've discovered that statewide funding for um, on a per pupil basis over the last 10 years statewide has increased 39%. And yet statewide, we have math scores that are down 27.3%. Reading down 13.7 and science down 24.8%. And I don't think so, those numbers would be acceptable to anybody. Yeah, I want to get more into that. You know, one has to ask, what are we getting for our money? Uh, and it's really just shocking to see this, you know, return on our investment, if you will. But talk more about first the, the statewide 10 year academic proficiency. And, and this can't all be blamed on the pandemic, can it? Not at all. And it's funny you say that because, of course, when I first started doing this, uh, you know, I presented at a local school board meeting in the Hopkins uh, 270 district and I used a five year window. And of course, they immediately said, well, these numbers are, are meaningless because clearly it's uh, pandemic related. And I kind of knew they were going to do that because I already had in my back pocket the 10 year numbers and uh, the trajectory of uh, academic performance was falling well before the pandemic. Uh, and, in mo and we've done it on a district by district basis, and the numbers are shocking. We see double digit uh, decreases before the pandemic. And the ACT scores don't don't really add up uh, in in our favor either, do they? No, as a matter of fact, uh, ACT scores right now says again over the last ten years, funding statewide up thirty nine percent. ACT scores, the composite scores, down by eight point seven. These are indisputable facts because we're getting the numbers right from the Department of Education, ironically. And, uh, you know, I think they they didn't like the fact that I, I, I footnoted all of my uh, presentation materials at the school board with the Minnesota Department of Education logo. So that's a critical thing in all the work we're doing. The numbers come from the Minnesota Department of Education website. Yep. All of them. So I guess the million dollar question, where has all the money gone, and I know you guys have dug into that as well. I took this from the uh, Metropolitan School District, the Association of Metropolitan School Districts, in some correspondence I had with them, and one of the things they pointed out that this past funding, $635 million in state funding went to programs such as free breakfast and lunch, summer unemployment for hourly workers, lowering teachers' retirement age, and it's not available to pay for education programs. And that's a valid point, but I feel that's not the taxpayer's problem. Well, it's our problem, but that's between the, the, the legislators and the school boards have to decide what their priorities are. And we're increasing funding far in excess of inflation, and we're not getting the results of it. And if they're spending it on all of these non-performance issues, not in the classroom, then... Well, there's the know. old adage, follow the money. And I think one of the next steps that I'm working on right now, I just did a, a, a 
freedom of information, public information request of one district because by statute, each public school district in Minnesota has to file an audited financial statement. So I asked for audited financial statements going back 20 years. And what we're going to do is we're going to build a fact-based um, explanation of where the money's going. And for example, is when I was going to high school, and that was a thousand years ago, but uh, there's one principal at the high school. You have districts now with multiple, three and four principals. Uh, we didn't have DEI coordinators back then. And now apparently there's this systemic racism and there's a need to have uh, DEI coordinators at each grade level at the middle school and high school. It's absolutely ridiculous when you look at the growth in this administrative funding that has nothing to do with educating kids. I know you've uh, provided the Hopkins breakdown, but this is something uh, that, that you can provide similar breakdowns and you are doing for, for several districts to assist some people running as, as school board candidates. But talk a little bit more about that work and where people can find more information. We've been working with, uh, with the Minnesota Parents Alliance and in the last uh, school board round of elections, uh, the spreadsheets that I've prepared on a statewide level and for Hopkins, I prepared similar ones for 80 school board candidates throughout the state of Minnesota in the last election cycle and giving them detailed information on their particular district. Uh, 50 of those candidates got elected. Uh, this year, uh, Christine has put together, I don't know, I, I haven't, I just got the list yesterday. I would say there's probably 30 people running for school board and I will pre uh, present them with a detailed spreadsheet with the numbers we've been talking about for their specific district. I'll get those out in probably the next week or so to every school district that has an election up this year. Yeah, and then to pile on, what I'm doing is taking Ken's brilliant financial work and transposing it against the academic proficiencies in those same districts so we can show them very clearly how there's no connection between increased spending and student performance. It's actually a dichotomous relationship. It's really shocking. I truly believe in my heart that most teachers, if not the, the vast majority of teachers and the vast majority of people in administration want to do better. And I don't know if it's just this whole, you know, education industry that goes from the national level to the state level and everything that a lot of schools have less control over what they're doing because there's these mandates at the national and state level. So I think part of what we're looking at here needs to be amplified to a, a higher level at the national level. Uh, as I shared with uh, some of the folks down in the legislature, I believe this subject, education and education finance and academic proficiency should be the number one subject for our next state and national elections. We have to fix this. Bob Fallon and Ken Wolf, thank you again for your important work and for being on to talk about it. We appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. That will do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We'll see you next time.